to conscious contact, you know, which is living. You know, you're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and you're seeing thoughts like the eye would see a bird fly by. You see thoughts, yeah? You see them. You're not thinking them. You're seeing them, yeah? It's very different. So that's the conscious contact. So if you want to call that the eye, there's the eye, yeah? What's looking out of all of our heads, you could say is the same uh, nature, which is of no-thingness, you want to call it awareness or consciousness, but it's not of a body, yeah? It may seem to be in a body, like Jesus Christ supposedly said, you're in this world, but you're not of the world, yeah? So you may seem to think you're in a world of bodies, but you're not of a body. You're in a world of time, but you're not of time, yeah? You're in the world of things and experiences, but you're not an experience, and you're not a thing. So... Here's, let's say that's the eye that every one of us is demonstrating by being alive. Yeah? Conscious contact is what provides that possibility. Then there's the you, which you would call the body. Yeah? Very distinctly different. The eye is what's seeing. The eye, E-Y-E, of the body facilitates the seeing. Yeah? The eye is what's hearing. The eardrum facilitates hearing. It does, it's not what's hearing. And the eye is not what's seeing. Yeah, they facilitate the the, uh, the activity of vision and hearing, yeah? And in a sense, the eye which is seeing can never be seen. Yeah? It's not that it's hiding very well. It can't be seen because it's not of thingness, yeah? The way we're conditioned here, the way our perceptions are formatted, we can't see nothing. All we can see is things, Yes? We can't see nothing. When you're looking in this room, you can't see the space. You get a sense of it based on the, on the uh, parameters of the thing, the walls, but you can't get the sense. You can't see the space, can you? Yeah. So this I, let's say, is the spirit or consciousness. The you is the body which facilitates it to be doing what? Being in contact here. Yeah. So consciousness is able to become in contact with, I would say, itself in appearance through this facilitator. But this is not what's seen. I am never going to... What? You're never going to see what's seen. You're never going to hear what's hearing. You're never going to feel what's feeling. You're never going to taste what's tasting. And you're never going to, never, never going to touch what's touching. Yeah. It's beyond the format that we're appearing in. Yeah. So there's the I, and here's the you. This object facilitates what we call an experience. Yeah. So consciousness comes through it, runs into things, sees things, hears things, yes, and it has an experience through the facilitation of its body, almost as if this is a camera, yeah, and there's the undifferentiated light of awareness. The undifferentiated light of awareness moves through this camera and it differentiates. 
So no thing appears to be things. Thousands and millions of things, yeah? But all the, the all, all the essence of everything that appears, as in Buddhism they would say, is inherently empty. It's empty of being a thing, yeah? It doesn't have its own innate quality except emptiness, which is it's empty of being a thing. So in a sense, what's happening here is we're seeing appearances. Yeah? An appearance in the context of mind or space or awareness. Just like a cloud would appear in the sky or, or a bird would fly through the sky. Anytime a bird has ever shit in the sky, it never fell on the sky. There was nowhere the shit stuck. The shit landed until it hit a thing, and that's where it stuck. That's where it made an impression. There's no shit on the walls of the sky, yeah? because there ain't any walls. Yeah? When the clouds, when the rain clouds rain, they don't. The sky doesn't get wet. A thing gets wet. The earth, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, if you see that quality, that mind or awareness or space is more contextual and because it's no-thingness everything can appear in it yeah? just like a mirror a mirror because it doesn't have it, uh, its own face it can reflect every face yeah? because the mirror is inherently empty of a reflection yeah? so anything that comes in front of the mirror is reflected in it everything, it never gets filled up it doesn't have a quota that it can only reflect 500 things. And when the 501 thing comes, it doesn't reflect. Its quality is to reflect, yeah? Because it's empty. It doesn't have a face of, in and of itself, so whatever comes up in front of it, that's what it reflects. That's why, like mind, yeah? Mind is like that. That's the quality it has. In one sense in Buddhism, they would say that mind's inherent essence is emptiness, yeah? Its nature is reflective like a mirror, and its manifestation is energy, which is what's happening here. Energy can't be created nor destroyed, it just keeps taking on different appearances, yeah? It's like this is a giant chemistry batch, and it just keeps playing and integrating, and then things appear, and then they disappear. But what appears and disappears is never created nor destroyed. It just appears and then disappears. It's the same energy, yeah? The same energy in the appearance is the same energy in the disappearance of the thing. So the thing is like an, is like an appearance or a phantom or a dream, yeah? Like if I took this chair away from where it is, the only way you could remember that chair would be through memory because you're not seeing it anymore, yeah? And the only way you could see any of its effects would be on other things like the floor and maybe it hit the wall. But there'd be no effects in the space. And I didn't have to rush in, and I didn't have a certain custom-sized bit of space that fitted this chair position, yeah? So, I, like a magician, this chair's removed, I soaked the space in really quick. Or you would have seen the void of all voids, which would have blown your mind, you know? So, no, it doesn't actually take up any space. It's appearing in space, yeah? Isn't it? Yeah, if I... What, can you see it? All right, here it goes. There it is, right there. Yeah, all right. Yeah? What is this? This is an appearance in space. Yeah? It has no effect on the space, yeah? It's not leaving any mark on the space. And what's the difference between this and me? This is just an appearance, yeah? There isn't like a six foot two thin piece of space in this closet, so 
when I'm getting ready to leave, I don't want to leave any space, you know, I don't want to leave a big void behind. I've got to slip that little, you know, uh, mannequin of space in my position. No, I'm, this is just an appearance. And in a sense, the only thing I can affect is other appearances, you know, or other appearances can affect me. I can't affect the context, yes? Just like a fish, no matter what it goes in, it doesn't really have any effect in the water. Yeah? It's not taking up any space. Yes? When you weigh the ocean, it doesn't weigh heavier, I don't think. You're not, you know what I mean? It's just, it's appearing in it. Yeah? And yet, because of its appearing in it, it probably never has a sense of the water until it's pulled out of it and it's flipping out when it's dying. Yeah? But it's probably seeing everything in the water, but it never sees the water. Yeah? Because it's not privy to that. Its programming doesn't allow that. And so the sense of being Paul, when Paul seems to arrive here, this is almost like an end of the line. This is like a production. And when you feel like a you, you're at the end of the production. Yeah? The mind has produced this feeling of being a you. When you have that strong feeling that it's you, you're the thinker, and you're the feeler, and you're the doer, that is you're at, your awareness or your interest and attention has just became apparent at the end of the production. Yeah? You have no idea how this situation is made. You have no sight into how this is happening. You have no idea how the brain is making this appear to be the way it's appearing. You have none. It's not, it's, you're not privy to it as the action figure, as the dreamt object. So when you're identified as the dreamt object, it's almost as if you're forbidden, forbidden, first of all, to see how you came to be, because you think you were born, but no, you came to be in another way, and where or from whence you have come. You're not privy to that. The programming isn't based on picking that up. It's actually based on denying it. Yeah? So what we do with spaces, we call it nothing. Yeah? And we try to fill it up. Don't we? Yeah. So here's the I, and here's the you. Okay. Now the mental process, which is part of the brain, goes off. It, we grow into it. They say basically around when you start learning language, that's when the sense of self arises, around 18 months of a baby. Yeah. Around 18 months, the baby starts hearing and start, starts understanding certain words. It can start putting it together. As soon as that language starts appearing, Either, very, either symbiotically or just coincidentally, the sense of a self starts arising. So we grow into this sense of being Paul or Jane or Lurie or Deb. Yes? We grow into it. It's not, we did not start that. So here's the you, here's the I, and the mental process now takes the I, yeah, and weds it with the you, and, and crowns it an incredible king, which is me. Yeah? Which, as soon as I'm crowned with the me, I am separated from all the other yous, which I am part and parcel of as this, yes? I, this is a you. <laughs> Everyone who sees me, sees me as a you, yeah? Every person, if you bring 8,000 people here, they'd all have the same experience. They're seeing you. But, against all of that evidence, I stubbornly claim it's me. <laughs> Because the mental process has taken the attributes, the quality of consciousness, and given it to the body. And so now you believe you're seeing. You think you're hearing. 
you think you're feeling, you actually believe you're the thinker of the thoughts, which is an incredible leap, unbelievable leap, where even in the physical location, the only process that's half voluntary is breath. Everything else is involuntary. Yes? And I'm telling you, thinking is involuntary. It's arising. This is what the brain does. Yeah? To believe that you're the thinker is the whole product of selfing. You are the living example of that product. Because the whole idea of being, of being a self is that you're the doer and you're the haver. Yes? You're the alpha and the omega. Consciousness is totally forgotten, and now it's you that's conscious. Yeah? And it becomes bastardized. And so consciousness, instead of being recognized as an all-contextual space, is taken to be an attribute you can get more of or less of. It's made into a commodity. Actually, it's made into another activity that this little self in place God with. It now tells you how good you're doing with your pursuit of God. If there was a God, you know what I mean? Like Ramana Maharshi said, he was a master, sort of like a lot from India. He died before I was, but I went over where he lived anyway. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And he said a beautiful statement, very succinct. He said, to know God is to be God. Yeah? Now, in the mental condition of selfing, to know God is to be a knower of God. That ain't it. To know God is to be God. That's direct knowledge. To know God and then be a knower of God, that's self-knowledge. And that self-knowledge will avail you nothing. It will not lead you to the freedom from self. It will lead you to the pursuit of freedom as a self, which is a form of slavery. Because self can never go free. Yeah? Because it doesn't fucking exist. Yeah? You're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So most people, instead of getting relief from the selfing, they're trying to get relief for the selfing or as the selfing, which is a form of mental slavery. Yeah. Because it's never satisfied, obviously. Because what its true desire is, is to become a self. That's all that selfing is doing. Selfing is an activity of a mental process, and it's trying to become a self, or it's trying to be unbecome a self it thinks it is. Yeah? It's just going either way. It's a dualistic movement. So it's going to trying to become something that it wants to be, and it's trying to unbecome something it doesn't want to be. It can never reach climax, because what it is is a nature of no-thingness. It can't forget that and become a thing. Yeah? So the mind, it's constantly thwarted its desire. It never reaches climax. So what occurs? If, you're in a, if you have alcoholism, it occurs with a, a starting a very strong experience that you're uncomfortable in your own skin, that you're irritable, restless, and discontent. That's the desire demanding fucking relief. Yeah? If the first desire can never be fulfilled, what is it going to do? It's going to try to find other things to fulfill that hole. Yeah? That's what addictions are. If you look at an addiction, basically they all are an attempt to get out of what you're not in, which is self. That's why they don't work, because you're inherently not in self. You are not in self as an identification of self. It's an impossibility. So to be really trying to get out of it is a form of being in it. Yeah? That's what all addictions are. 
They're trying to get out of self and why they don't work. There's never a point when you're in addiction that you reach a certain stabilization where, oh, you know, it took 8,000 shots of coke, but I am now totally satiated. So I've, just, I've just reached chemical, you know, stasis. Fine. And I thank you, coke. It's very good. And now I'm just off and living a free and easy, free-range life. No. The addiction never, never, never completes its mission because it's just it's a reply to the first one that can never be completed. Yeah? The mind looks at you like an urban renewal project. It's never fucking over. It's never over. You're not going to stabilize into an authentic, real self. It's impossible. Yeah? So this is, okay, like people, you read books, New Age books, have you? You have a big closet of them, whatever. Garage sales. They're almost like uh, exercise machines. <laughs> you go to garage sales, they're all over big boxes of self-help books. So most of the time it's about how to get into the moment, right? Or how to really be in the moment. How to really, really, really be in the moment. But I'm saying you can't be out of the moment, yeah? You are the moment. You're not in a moment. You are the moment. This is appearing to be in the moment, but you ain't, it's like Jesus says, you're in this appearance, but you're not of an appearance. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. And this world is what? Appearances. We see things. Yeah? But we're not of it. We are not of this. Yeah? We are not of this. So we are the moment. That sense of awareness that allows whatever aspect of life you're dealing with now is brought to you by that illuminating quality of awareness. We are that, yeah? We are that awareness. The selfing just has the appearance of becoming. And the weirdest thing is, this is what happens. Maybe it doesn't for you, but that, how I've seen it is. So here's the selfing, which is a process in time. The mind takes time to process the information that's coming in. Yeah. So you are a end of a process called selfing. Yeah. So the selfing occurs, and then there's a feeling of being a you, which is like the owner or the proprietor or the doer or the haver of life. Yes. But the fact is, the process of selfing goes on, and then there's that feeling is produced. But when the feeling is produced, the feeling is that it's before the process. Yeah? You feel like you were before the thoughts. You felt like you were before the feeling. Yeah? That you were stable and really, really, really something, and then things can happen or not happen. But all the while you're here, that feeling is produced, the feeling of being a you. You didn't have it when you were a baby. It's produced, yeah. The mental process producing it. It's a product that ends up in time, but the feeling is it's historically in front. Yeah. Watch. Watch a thought. Watch thoughts. So thoughts are seeing, yeah? You see thoughts. Let's say they come up. You don't see the feeling that they're yours, though, do you? You don't see that thought. You don't see the my of the thought. So the thought comes up, but there's another one you don't see, because our, our camera lens is very, very tunneled down. So you don't see that there's a feeling that there's a mind, 
These are my thoughts, yeah? So the my is a movement of claiming the thought, yeah? Like my, this is mine. So that's a sense of claiming, yes? The my. All right, so the thoughts are happening. Then there's the claiming of them. What does the claiming do? The claiming infers or points at or assumes there's a claimer. Yes? So once the thoughts are claimed, they're used to put, point out that there's a claimer. This is how the self gets produced and reinforced all freaking day. A feeling, my feeling, oh, that my, once the, that grabs onto the feeling, it becomes a pointer to the phantom self. Yeah? Because there's got to be someone be before the my. Yeah? There's got to be a someone that goes my bottom. Yeah? When you hear my, it infers it's someone's. Yes? You're hearing my all day. It's the echo of mine. All day it's I, me, my. I, me, my. I, me, my. It's like the phantom's getting blown up every day because every activity that occurs is claimed as you're the one that's doing it or it's happening to you. Yeah? It's a constant arthritic little pointing back to a vague phantom. And if you're not conscious to that, it's like the swoon of all swoons. Every day, you're in a trance-setting swoon. It's singing the lullaby of I, me, my through its movement of claiming. Yeah? So a thought is a thought, but for most people, it's my thought or about me. That's the bondage. The thought doesn't bond you. It's just something that's arising. It's the claiming, the claiming of the thought by the mind and what that infers. That's the bondage of self. Yeah? And the bondage of self is phantom. The handcuffs aren't real. That's the only solution at work. If, the, if it was a real dilemma, there's no way in hell we'd ever get out of it. We are so far past the point of its inception, we're like, we're at its 30, 30th step. <laughs> Appearing at the 30th step, you're never going to get to the first step. No fucking way. The point is, there isn't a 30th step. There was never, nothing ever happened. Mind is still mind. Yeah? Mind is still mind. No matter how many things have been thrown at it, not one thing is stuck. Not one thing. Yeah? That's the only solution, is the absoluteness of your own nature. Yeah? If you take yourself to be a you, you're fucked. Even in your pursuing, pursuit of not being fucked, that's a form of being fucked. Because the salvation's always put off, yeah, isn't it? No one's ever sitting here saying, oh, this is an incredible okayness. I will be okay is the theme. Yeah? Or once I was okay. There's never an immediacy to the solution. Because there's a, there's a prop of the problem in place of the immediacy. You. As soon as you appear, time, the parade of time has a lot of emphasis. And it's all going to be about you getting somewhere to be on you. Everyone's waiting to be there when they experience their own absence. You're not. You're going to be fucking absent. Inherently, you have been the whole time. That's all that happens, is you finally get the exact emptiness of this space. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, I was filling the space, and then one day I don't fill it anymore. The big hit is you've never been here, ever. Not once, not will be, not is. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You're totally irrelevant. You're taken out of the equation. Thank God. 
<laughs> so I believe, in a sense, the way to approach it is to see what you're not, not to try to look for what you are, because that that's never going to work, in my view. Because that always always presupposes you're something that can find out what you are. Yeah? So your point of reference is not what you are, but what you're not. How is what you're not ever going to see what you are? The whole point is to realize you're not that, and then that seeing what you... The seeing of that is what you are. Yeah? The seeing of what I'm not is what I am. That's it. I can never put it under glass. I can never capture it. I go, oh... I finally got me. I finally found me. This is it. This is the authentic whatever. See this? It's encased in this beautiful crystallized glass I found. No. Right now, the closest you can get to your nature is activity, conscious contact. The seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching. You are the seeing, yeah? Which can never be seen. You are the hearing, which can never be heard. You are the feeling which can never be felt. That's the beauty of it. No matter how many times you look in the mirror, you'll never see it. It's like, you know, when I was first younger, when I was younger, I'd read these books, and a lot of times they'd be trying to describe, like, the eternal blissful ocean of love or whatever, this and that. And, you know, it's all well and good and write lovely poetry, but see, if you're studying the ocean, but you've taken yourself to be a wave, yeah, and you, you've separated yourself from any possibility of actually being the ocean, because you surely believe you're a wave, then the best you can do is study the ocean, dive in, but you'll never take the experience of the ocean as your nature. You'll always think that you got wet, but you're inherently dry. Yeah? If you're the wave. But the whole point is, why not question the wave? If you're not a wave, you may just realize that you're the ocean. Yeah? And it doesn't take any time, because you're already that. Yeah? The wave has never not been the ocean. It just assumed it was something different. But if your interest and attention is wedded to that idea, you'll be trying to fucking merge with the ocean the rest of your life. And you'll be really disappointed. The ocean can't merge with the ocean. It is the ocean. Yeah. It can't have the blissful experience of the ocean. It is the ocean. Yeah. Once it's sort of like, oh shit, I can't have it. But you don't get the beauty of that. That means you can never lose it. Yeah. Everything that you can have here, you can lose. Yeah. But if you can't have this, then you can't lose it. And maybe you realize you are it. Who knows? Take your whole self out of that fucking ball game of duality. Yeah? Try everyone. If you believe that you're the doer, let's say, and then you achieve, you think you achieved a state. Yeah? Like I did all this practice and I finally arrived here. That same mind entertains another possibility. Well, I can stop practicing and I'll lose it. That's the problem, yes? You've got to realize this mind works in a dualistic manner. If you think you're the achiever, you'll be the underachiever. Yes? If you think you had it, you're definitely going to have an experience you lost it one day. But if you've never had it, you can't lose it. That's the beauty of it, yeah? 
the beauty of no ownership, the beauty of no being the proprietor, no privatizing it, no having it, therefore you can't lose it. That means it's always available at all times, right where you are, with no requirement necessary. Yeah. I sit 13 hours to sense what I'm sensing now. Six hours walking, seven hours sitting. And when I finally would hit this thing, this just like this moment, the first drive I had was to get up <laughs> and start doing something else. Yeah? I swear to God, man, it was unbelievable. Now, <laughs> the ordinariness makes it totally accessible, really. Hasn't been produced by any long plane trip and you know taking vows or anything like that. It's never been produced at all. It's always available at all times. Yeah. You're the only one who plays the gatekeeper. You're the only one who puts the requirements on anything. See, they don't come from anywhere else but you. Yeah. That's why they say in some some circles they'll say it's the gateless gate. Yeah. The open secret. The gateless gate. We're all children of a barren mother. They always, they're trying to point out in a very succinct way, it ain't the way it looks. <laughs> this ain't what's going on, really. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole other ball game happening all around this little ball game. Yeah? And that's where the relief from this little ball game's trials and tribulations is derived from. Not from here, but from the context. Yeah? To recognize... You're not this idea of being Paul. I saw it immediately translate into what we call Paul traveling later for a very long period of time. When Paul was really consumed about traveling later, it was heavy as hell. She's in Christ. If I missed a meditation, my whole day would be sucked. You know, my mind would go, you got to get home at lunchtime. you got to do that hour. I was like, fuck. Did I want to meditate when I was two and a half years old? Was I looking for a retreat or anything? <laughs> no. You know, I, had, I had the great bliss that my mind hadn't entertained I could be somewhere else than where I was when I was a kid. You know? <laughs> when you were a kid, I didn't know, when I was playing, I didn't have a, a time concept to be worried, will I be playing next week? I had no idea of next week yet. So it was like a default situation that you were here because mind had it entertained you could be somewhere else. You know, this is just like going back to that same state. To see the absolute insanity to think that you could get into the moment more than you are. <laughs> and the whole idea of trying to get out of self. If you go to groups that are trying to get out of self, all they talk about is self. Yeah? All they talk about. But when you're out of self, yeah, if you can't be in self, that's the way to be out of it. Yeah? The best way to get out of a problem is realize it's imaginary. If it's imaginary, what more do you need to do? If you want to look what's, what's driving seemingly you crazy, if you see it's coming from the field of what's not happening, that should be sufficient to give you immunity to it. It's not happening. Yeah. What more therapy do you need after that? It's not happening. Oh, okay. But, no, it's not happening. Yeah. If you're here, you'll have immunity to there and then. But when you're in there and then, you have no immunity. None. 
Because you're in a mythical here that's not even here. It's just made up by your mind. It's, it's filled with there and thenness. Yeah? Each moment up here isn't, doesn't stand alone. It's bookended with time, past and future moments. So either you're concerned about what happened or you're really worried what's going to happen. Yes? This sort of drops you into here because this is the, why, this is the point of conscious contact. I am seeing who's here right now. Yeah? I'm sensing this space. This is a damn good anchor to root your interest attention here and leave the fantasy realms of past and future. Because they're fantasy realms. And you may see when you're here, things get clearer. Who knows? Yeah. It's like in Zen, they say one of the highest forms of mind is I don't know. Well, this is the exact state you're in. When you're in I don't know, yeah, things reveal themselves to you. And so you find out. And finding out is a much more uh, reliable form of knowledge than knowing. Yeah? Mental knowing. Well, finding out works. shifts to the scene, that's a good case of immunity to what's being seen. Yeah? And all that what's being seen, when claimed, it makes something that's totally unseen seem to be the looming shadow all day, isn't it? There's you. There's you being inferred to all the claiming of all the conscious contact. A you. You as the thinker. You as the feeler. These are my feelings. These are my thoughts. What would happen if a feeling was a feeling? What happens when a feeling is my feeling? You could write novels about your feelings. You could write tons of stories about your feelings. A feeling comes and goes, but my feeling becomes a country western song. My feeling, my thought, becomes incredibly different. You You have to see the thought doesn't have its own weight. It's given the weight through the mind. A thought can cripple you when the mind precedes it. Again, I've seen people's whole day go bad by one thought because it was held as my thought. Yeah? They, would, they would have had the thought and it wouldn't have been held as mine. The thought would have come and gone just like every other thought. But because it gets claimed, it's put into orbit around this mythical planet called Paul and it breeds meaning. Yes? Heavy. And you travel with that weight all day. You may be used to it, but it doesn't mean you're not traveling with weight. Every thought is being laden down with so much meaning. Meaning from the past, from whence it came, and meaning like a a ripening fruit into a future. Like a giant field that the mind harvests all day. 
and you are the tree at harvest, and it pictures you as a body somewhere else at some other time, and it picks the fruit. Yes? The thoughts and feelings are mine. It makes up huge stories. And you live the story, and you don't live consciously. Yeah? You live, because the only way truly to live consciously is to, is as consciously, as consciousness. Yeah? That's the best way to do it. Not for you to become developing, becoming more conscious. Because you'll only become less conscious based on something you didn't do or did. Yeah? But if it's consciousness, if you are that, how could it be separated into qualities that you produce and unproduce? Yeah? Consciousness would be a field, an availability. The highest point and the, what all the points would be always available at all times. See how the mind is underneath all of them? You have maybe, they say you have 70,000 thoughts a day. Let's say you have 3,000 thoughts a day. I'm telling you, underneath that whole stream of thought is my, just one my, claiming every thought, all the feelings that come through, my feelings. So everything that's in conscious contact with in the system is pointing to a phantom one who's doing it or having it, yeah? That's the production and the bondage to the idea of being a self. It can never become so, so it has to keep becoming so all day. Yeah. Constantly has to reinforce it. Constantly has to apply new glue. Because there's no fucking way, if there was a freedom, you would ever sense being bonded to anything here. Really. Yeah. So it's constantly has to keep applying the glue. Everything arising mind, problems mind, body mind, time mind, yes? Girlfriend mind. Check it out. A girlfriend's a very good example. Or a boyfriend. Let's see, I say you're seeing a girl or a boy. Having a really nice time. And then one day, it changes, and now it's my girlfriend. Yeah? Now, I think I have the right to look into her emails to see who she's in contact with, because obviously, she's my girlfriend, like I own her. And then I start stalking her around because I want to know where my girlfriend goes when she's not with me. My whole beat, the whole behavior changes as soon as the my arises. Yeah? As soon as the my arises. So you're not going to get rid of thoughts, are you? successful. Yeah. Best, to be, best to see that they're not yours. Yeah. Really. Maybe travel lighter. Maybe. That's all. What happens with God? What happens with your eye if your vision is framed by a window? Let's say a bird goes by. You only see the bird when it goes by the window, yeah? You don't follow it anymore after that, usually. And then you're there to see the next bird or, or, or something, a leaf drops or something like that, yes? 
So basically, in a sense, the awareness is always there, always available, just to see what arises. And then whatever arises comes into that field, usually departs. But here, let's say I'm looking at the out the window, and I'm thinking I'm the one that's doing it. Let's say so. A bird flies by, and that bird reminds me of a bird, like my bird. So now the bird flew by the window, but I don't. Now I start thinking where that bird went. You know what I mean? How did my bird get out of the house? So now my interest and attention isn't seeing what's arising anymore. Yeah, in a sense, it's paying attention and following this little trail about that damn bird. Yeah, and then speculating all these possibilities, all hooked to it with the mind. Yeah. That's what thoughts are. They're like birds that are being seen. Yeah? Feelings, the same. They are rising. Once the mind grabs it, it gives meaning to it. And that meaning is there's a you having it. That's the fucking meaning it gives it. Yeah? Uh, there's someone who's having this thought. There's someone who's having this feeling. As soon as that connection is made, tons of meaning comes out of mind and goes into that bird, goes into that girlfriend, goes into that body, goes into that problem, goes into money, yes? Whatever it may be, as soon as the mind connects and points to the idea there must be a claimer, right? Because that's what mind insinuates. There's someone who has the bottle. As soon as there's someone who had the thought or is the thinker of it, that's the bondage. Yeah? The thoughts are thoughts, but they're used in a certain way to bind you to the idea of being the freaking thinker. When you see it, it's a possibility that, that when it's arising and you see it, you realize, how could I be what's arising? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe what's actually seeing the thought isn't a body. possibility of it revealing itself. When you shift out of the mind and the fake phantom and go into what you are, things change dramatically, you know? You know? Because now you're the act of seeing. There's no seer there. There's no seer with a history. There's no seer with a future. There's just seeing. So instead of life happening to you, it's happening now. It's a much nicer way to travel. Isn't that the case when there's a self? Life's happening to it, isn't it? Obviously. Everything gets sucked into this point, this direction. When it isn't, when you're not identified as this, then life happens. Yes? And you see, just like life is moving, what you are is moving. You're not a stagnant little flag position that things are happening to. But you're the movement in all the movements, yeah? You're the stillness in every fucking sound. You're something way beyond the body. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I think it's wonderful news, eh? Sure. You put the rock down, and because it isn't yours, you won't look back. 
<laughs> Literally. <laughs> they just walk away, never look back again. <laughs> they can have the sign, you know, the sirens of uh, Ulysses singing, I want you. You know, as soon as you look back, you turn into stone. Really, you turn into a thing again. Seriously. You just keep walking. Bye bye. <laughs> Any questions tonight? No? <laughs> I can't even do it justice, I'll tell you. I wish I could give, you know, share with you uh, the revelation of that mind, I would, of mine. I, I can't. I try to do the best I can. Yeah? But I, it's, it's way beyond the uh, vehicle of words, yeah. Hopefully there'll be an energy in the room that conveys something. But I, you know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. You'll never be able to do it justice, you know. It's just sort of like, I have total faith in mind. Yeah. So, I, the words are just like a, the envelope, but the message is not of words, not of thingness. Yeah? And hopefully that message will hit its source right there. And then there's like an aha or an unspoken yes. And so mind starts coming out of that mental yogic posture to the self. Yeah? Like a yoga pr- practice called one, they only have one position. <laughs> Mind's like that, contracted. Maybe it comes out. And we'll feel it unfurl. You'll sense the hugeness of what you are. Yeah, you'll get the sense of spaciousness. Your attention will leave all the the uh, slavery to things, and you'll just sense the presence of nothingness. Yeah? You'll entertain, or you'll be like seeing nothing, and you'll get a sense of the space that we are, not all the things that are appearing in it, but the space itself. Yeah. yeah? So, if you're talking about I have not been here before. So, but if you're talking about the thoughts and the self, we all don't have the same thoughts. So I don't. I guess I'm not grasping the point about that they're not our thoughts. All right. Do you don't. Have, you actually don't know if you don't have the same thoughts. Let's say you have the thought of I'm walking uh, about walking your dog Fido. And the other person's having a thought about walking their dog Biff. Really, basically, it's the same thoughts. Yeah, there's just different no, nouns in there. About the, right. Exactly. About See, that's thoughts. where it's, that's the only difference is the nouns. Yes, you just change the nouns, but the thought systems are very similar. Just like, are you in recovery? Yes. Oh, so obviously, then you know when you go to meetings in recovery after a short period of time. You have to come to some two, either two conclusions. Either, you know, these people have my thoughts or they're not my thoughts. I mean, obviously, if you go anywhere in the world to an AA meeting, people will share things very similar to how you feel and their similar reactions to certain things in life and their thoughts they share are very similar. Because, hmm? similar, but not exactly. Oh, of course not exactly. That's the flavor of it. If I was, if, if I, <laughs> and not exactly is right. The flavor, but it's like don't miss the forest from the trees to connect 
you know, that get so identified with the tree, but the system, the alcoholic system, is basically the same. And it's the dominant influence in most alcoholics. If you go to any meeting, you're going to hear people share your feelings, thoughts, and reactions because they're not yours, nor are they theirs. They're alcoholic. Yeah. In other words, we've been, we've been saddled with a parasitical thought system called alcoholism. Yes? And so it has only a small set of characteristics. No matter how many hosts it seemingly takes over, if you want to call the differences, no matter how many different possibilities it takes over, it expresses basically the same traits through all of those possibilities. Maybe a little cultural difference here and there, a little this and that, but the basic system is exactly the same. That's why when you go to meetings, you identify with the alcoholic. If a normie comes in, they're in shock when we start joking about things. We're all laughing and they're like, can't believe you would even talk about this. But we're, <laughs> because we identify with what's taking each other over. We don't identify with who we are. We identify with what's taking me over. It's the same thing that took this over, took that over. And I know that thing very well now, and therefore I identify it when you share about it. Now you may call it you, but I think that's the basic root of the dilemma in alcoholism is that they haven't seen that it's identification as a self. They're still thinking it's about obsession over themselves. But they're meaning to think, but everyone has that, not everyone, I can't say that, but there's still the feeling that, that there is a who that they are. I don't believe that. I believe the root of the problem is identification as self. In other words, you feel like you're a special, separate, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes, you do. Like you have your own thoughts, your own feelings, and this and that. That's your privatization. You're that, yes? Yet, it must be amazing when you go to meetings and a lot of that, that uniqueness must be broken down. That's what happened with me. I thought I didn't know how terminally unique I felt, but I was in meetings for a few months. So I'm going, Jesus, how did these people get my thoughts? Because they were sharing like oh, big chunks of streams of thought with different nouns, you know. They didn't go out the same woman I went out with. They didn't have the same kind of car. But basically, the same thought system was being demonstrated. Yeah? Just let it get in there. If you don't believe, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Just let it go in there. There's, there's no, the, the thought system is not being produced by a peculiarity. It produces the sense of a peculiarity. But a peculiarity isn't doing the thinking. Yeah? Your uniqueness isn't demonstrated by the way you think. The thoughts produce a sense of being unique. Yeah? By how we hear them. Yeah, 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 yeah. In other words, they're the production of the flavor. You're not giving the thoughts their flavor. Yeah? The thoughts, once the mind combines with them with the mind, produces the flavor. Yeah? And one of the main flavors is the feeling of being you. If you didn't listen to a thought system all day, we wouldn't know what the hell we were. Yeah? Well, try it. Don't listen to a thought system all day. <laughs> <laughs> I like that move. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Good, bring it on. Actually, you share whatever you want. This isn't about uh, an indoctrination. How do you explain creati creativity hmm? then? Or, or, you know, I mean, succeeding in a field that you want to succeed in. If you are giving up 
See, that's why, see, you presuppose it's like in AA, they use this is a very good example. No, no, no. In AA, you're thinking out of the third dimension about the fourth dimension. You're applying third dimensional uh, qualifications that don't apply to the fourth dimension. People do this all the time. They say, oh, if I wasn't a self, then I wouldn't do anything. Yeah? This is all, this is like attempting to get to fit yourself around something by the thought system that this is very contrary to. Yeah? Just find out. Find out. You believe you're the one who's creative? Or creativity comes through you? Yes. Right. Yeah. So how about creativity comes through? Why does it have to be you it's coming through? It's coming through. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the you is the claiming of it. Because so, as a woman, we need to feel more valid because it's harder for us. And so, sorry, but do you know what I mean in this yes, world? Yes, I do. And I do. so, if, if I, it would be difficult. Yeah, but see, the thing is, you're assuming that if you entertain this, that you wouldn't be promoting yourself in the world. That's just an incredible right. uh, assumption or a jump. Why not just find out? Maybe you'll be more behold, you know, more bold and more strong about pronouncing who you are and asserting yourself. You have no idea. See, people assume, well, the thing is, they always believe that they're behind the force that's moving through. Yeah, and so if they change, then the force would change dramatically, or it may never even happen anymore. I'm, I don't see that one bit. There's a force that's moving. Yeah, it's it's seeking expression, and it's going to express through this facilitation. Now, the idea of you, it's almost like trying to bracket it. You know, you, what the you. Yes, yes. yes. Unbracketed. In, in, in the big book, they say uh, contempt, pride, and investigation. Yeah. Well, there's a culprit involved, the self. That's the one that's contemptuous prior to investigation. Yes. Because investigation will lead to the negation of self. That's right. So <laughs> it sets up the paradigm yeah. before it can happen. That's so right. So if we sit into a, a, system, a heuristic system, automatically the thing that we're trying to eliminate is going to squirm around and try to find a way out. That's right. Because it's insubstantial. <laughs> so it has to con continuously substantiate its insubstantial nature. The fact that it's a ghost and doesn't exist can be seen very simply by taking a pause, like an individual says, when we take a pause. In that pause, it expands more and more and more. It's not that the internal dialogue stops. There's simply no attachment to it. It's not mine. It just passes through. Yes. Well, you can see what the selfing would do. Let's say if there was an exit sign, it would put, like, bathroom on it. <laughs> A smelly one. Don't go in there. Yeah, yeah. It always wants to bracket and frame everything from its own understanding. Even in the book, it says, you know, let's, uh, to surrender our will and life over to the God of our own understanding. Where there's a point we hope that we'd arrive at where we would give up that and actually be open to having God reveal its own understanding of itself, yeah? Instead of our understanding and framing it. Yes? Because we're limiting whatever power could be possibly coming into our life by our concepts of what's possible. And all those concepts of what's possible are structured in time and selfing. Yeah? And the real possibility is timelessness. 
That's where the big downloads arise. Yeah? But see, most people can't entertain being okay now. They can entertain a plan about being okay later or a memory they once were okay. That ease, they, they, they fit themselves around that very easily. But to have the abandonment of any idea and be totally okay right now is very, very scary to the conditional mind. The last place it wants to go. If you look at the thought system, what does it value more? The past and the future doesn't value here at all, does it? It really doesn't. It doesn't. You're thinking most of the thoughts are about time. Yeah? So even when you believe you're here, it's a here that bookended with there and then. So if you're here, a lot of times the mind will feel, all right, I'm here. But then it's being pulled into time of, but I've got to do something. I've got to be somewhere. What about let's Yes, yeah, yeah. So your attention's always being stretched in this timeline. Where the attention and interest is here to enrich one's life, it actually is used to bond one to an idea of being a mentor, a time action figure, yeah? Instead of your being interested and attentive to what's actually happening, this is the greatest field of harvest, yeah? Is here and now. Instead of spending your time in these dead-end orchards of there and then. Yeah. And planning, it happens here. It does. Oh, you won't be, I'll never plan again. That's not, planning is what happens here. Planning will go on. I'm going on a trip, and well, I don't plan much at all, but that's <laughs> not because I have any space in my mind. It's just the conditional aspect of this. I just don't plan things much yet. But the fact is, planning doesn't exclude the sense of being here. Yeah? Planning happens here. Everything happens here. Okay? Whatever future I'm planning for, the planning can only happen now. Yeah. And planning can't control what's happening in the future anyway. <laughs> no. So you can plan all you want. And yeah, yeah. I like the plan, even though nothing happens. It's fine. <laughs> I'm planning on getting a lot of money tonight on the donation box. I'm planning. I'm planning. No? I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> yeah. It's like this one guy said, you just wear you know, life loosely. Like a garment, you wear it loose. Let's just feel like we're in sweats all day. Jumpsuit, just a jumpsuit of emotions and mind. Yeah, yeah. So, any other questions? No. Only once, maybe.